picture this. You are living your life. Living your life to the fullest. It's 2019. You have some serious goals for 2020. Maybe you're going to pursue those outdoor activities that you've been afraid to start for whatever your reason might be. Maybe you had a goal to level up in your career. Maybe you wanted to get a promotion. Maybe you wanted to go to a, another company that's more in line with your goals or your specific passions. 2019 for a lot of people was a runway. It was the time to set yourself up for what 2020 would be, we all thought would be a massive turning point in a lot of people's lives. The year sounded iconic. 2020, what will we become? What will we do? Well, guess what? <laughs> we did a lot of nothing. We did a lot of drinking. We did a lot of making bread. We did a lot of making activities. We did a lot of puzzle making that just about ended my newly forming relationship. We did a lot of crying. We did a lot of losing our jobs. So many people lost their job in 2020. They were laid off because of massive economic downturn. And here we are in 2023 thinking that the economy is going to pick back up and we will all be nice and cozy in the jobs that we happened to squeeze into and find after what shit show 2020 was. Lo and behold, it's not that much better, especially if you're in the tech industry. 2023 has brought with it a shit ton of challenges for so many different sectors. The tech industry has been hit hard with layoffs. And a little bit of trivia for you on those layoff statistics. In 2023 alone, more than 155,589 workers in U.S.-based tech companies have been laid off in mass job cuts. This is according to a Crunchbase news tally. Also, side note, I think it's really funny when things say more than 155,589, more than, that is such a specific number. So I think if you're going to say more than, it should be, you know, more than 155,000. So between 155,000 and 156,000 people, workers in U.S.-based tech companies lost their job. Let's leave it at that. But Jesus, that's a lot of people. That is so many people who are treading water and unsure of their next step. I wanted to do a little bit more due diligence in the area of layoffs. I was laid off in 2020 right as the coronavirus basically was starting to form, hit, whatever you want to call it, arrived in that we first noticed in the Seattle area, which is actually coincidentally where I live as well. And the company that I loved so much let go of half of its workforce, and I was part of that half that was let go. I'd been in that company for five years, and I grew up there. It was very difficult for me to see myself moving beyond it because I was just finally starting to develop exactly what I wanted to do. And I thought that I would have a very safe launching point to continue to develop that idea at this company and then go somewhere. But I was prematurely launched, like a lot of us, and I had to figure it out. 
I did eventually figure it out. It took a while and it was a lot of tears in there and a lot of self-doubt. Your eyes are red. A few tears for your long lost boss? Tears of joy. I hate job hunting. Yeah, vacation's over. Lauren is here to help you through these times of self-doubt, tumultuous water treading, and figuring out exactly what maybe you want your next step to be. Because it could be a blessing in disguise. That's cliche, I know. But trust me when I say that if you put your head down and you take all of this advice that Lauren is going to give you to heart, you might just find a really cushy landing spot that you can really build your life, a very joyous life. Welcome to the You're Not Qualified podcast. My name is Courtney Heater. Stoked you're here. And I can't wait for you to hear this interview with Lauren. Are you ready? Let's go. Sometimes you got to run before you can walk. Tonight, for both myself and my guest, we are going to be talking about layoffs and the journey beyond layoffs, informing them into something that is very beneficial for you in your life and thriving after them. And I am with Lauren Cockrell. She has her own PR and marketing firm, and she is a quote unquote survivor and <laughs> thriver of layoffs in 2017. So Lauren, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. Sorry for chuckling in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's good. We like happiness. <laughs> yes. I'm here. I'm here. I did it. <laughs> we're here. And you're coming from Texas. So it's seven o'clock here when we're recording this 7 p.m. in the PNW, but it's nine there. Yes. 9, 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. But she also has two young kids. So this is yes. what we have to do. It's, it's nice and quiet here. <laughs> nice and quiet. <laughs> Hopefully it stays quiet here. I have a very loud schnauzer, but I think oh. he's being distracted. That's Good. the goal. <laughs> he can join us if needed. <laughs> oh my gosh. He actually would like that too much. It would be, be chaos. <laughs> so yeah, talking a little bit about your, your journey through the layoff process, because we are all too familiar with companies doing mass layoffs, especially Mm -hmm. since 2020. I know that your experience was prior to 2020, but there's a lot of people that are experiencing it now. They're experiencing it in 2020. I was laid off in April of 2020, right after the pandemic Mm. really hit the US. And it's a very difficult time. Mm-hmm. In 2017, you were laid off, but talk about difficult. You were laid off when you were eight months pregnant. <laughs> can't even imagine what it was like. Can you give us a glimpse into what your life was like at that time? Yes. Speaking of chaos, I, I was pregnant with our second child, eight months pregnant, and we had an eight, eight excuse me, a three-year-old at the time. She's eight now. Oh. And so it was very much preparing for baby to also and working from home for an IT services company and really trying to figure out what was next in general for life and work. Things were evolving at the company for me personally. I wasn't really feeling like a place I was going to be forever. It wasn't a place that was great for my mental health. <laughs> so I was thinking about, okay, what do I really want to do with my life? And so it was a little tense too, because I was feeling like maybe it was around the corner. I'm a pretty big empath. So I was definitely reading the Zoom room. <laughs> Read the Zoom room. <laughs> 
<laughs> or <laughs> what is around the corner? What do I need to do? How do I take care of myself and my family? So it was tense. Life was tense and chaotic for sure. It was joyful as well, but just wasn't quite sure what was on the horizon at that time. Yeah. You now have your president of Quidar. Correct. Yes. Quidar and Co. Just said it. Just think queen. <laughs> queen. Yeah. Quidar and Co. Okay. <laughs> you started this after your layoff, but did you have the idea of branching out on your own before this happened? Was it stirring already? It was. I remember fondly going on date nights with my husband before that time and talking about, I would, because I was, I worked for a PR firm before that time for about 10 years. And I really was missing, starting to miss that client, direct client interaction and problem solving Mm -hmm. and all those individual relationships that I didn't really have anymore working in-house. And so I was thinking, I was looking around the landscape of our community thinking, I think there's space for a boutique PR and marketing firm to really serve the businesses in our community. And so we would back in the napkin at dinner and just what would that look like? And what type of services would it be? And what type of clients would you want to work with? And uh, but all along, I was thinking, like, I can't do that till I'm 40. 40 was this, like, magical age that I was going to uh-huh. all of a sudden be this very smart business person. <laughs> yeah. start my company at the stroke of midnight on my 40th birthday. Like, okay, <laughs> now I can do it. <laughs> um, but I, so I guess in 2017, I was in my mid thirties and was thinking this is something that is needed. Who's known, who knows when I'm going to really be doing that. And then when I was laid off, I was eight months pregnant. And so I didn't feel comfortable going and trying to interview anywhere. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do next. And so I thought, well, actually a month before they, a month before they laid me off, I actually bought my domain name. I thought, I'm just going to go ahead and secure this for now. Who knows what will happen? It's 20 bucks a year, no big deal. And then the morning that they laid me off, I had actually serendipitously signed a contract with a, a professional coach to talk me through what the future might look for me, look like for me, whether it was going in house, I didn't know what I wanted to put on a resume or who I might want to work for or start my own company. I really felt like I was at a fork in the road for myself that morning <laughs> it happened. And I thought, well, I better drop some lines in the water to figure out what I can do in the meantime, mm-hmm. no matter what happens, like in the, for the next few months, just keeping things moving financially and for my own peace of mind. And then that sort of snowball. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting that you were starting to stir the pot and then writing your ideas on the back of a napkin, very literally. Because it's almost your empathetic intuition is Mm -hmm. working overtime for you there and it's trying to figure it out. But also it means that you really wanted it, it sounds. I did. I did. Even though by the time that pivotal moment happened, I was, I would say I was really lost. I felt like my confidence had taken a pretty severe nosedive and I just, I didn't know which way was up, honestly. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of the work that I did with that coach was rebuilding my confidence, really figuring out which way was the light uh, (laughs) above me and starting to swim toward that versus just being, being struggling underneath the water. Yeah, no, it was something that was in my heart. I just didn't know if, if I could do it. And if it was time fast forwarding a little bit, as I was wrapping up the contract with the coach, I was, I called her one day, I was running late. I was stuck in traffic. So we just had a meeting on the phone while I was on my way. And I was like, yeah, this client has signed and this client has signed. And she was just like, this is not how a new business is supposed to start. This is, you have so much momentum already. You're so lucky. Not hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, no, wait a minute. I've been working for 15 years. It's not 
luck, I've, I've built this body of work and a reputation that people are excited for me. And, and not that they were just like lining up around the block, but certainly had some opportunities out of the gate that were, that felt very much like you're on the right path. People are wanting the thing that you thought they were going to want or solving a problem that you saw in the marketplace. And so it was a nice start. So you were studying PR and marketing at your company before or working in PR and marketing before? I was. I worked for okay. a PR a better college. I stumbled into a PR firm and worked there for 10 years. And then I went in-house for a client at the time and worked there for five years until my layoff. And then I started my my own company. And I was started as at the in-house for at the in-house role. I started in a PR role, but it eventually changed into more of a sales role and is more like a commoditized product. So I'm like, this is not what I was put on this earth to do. <laughs> I'm not solving any problems. I'm not making anybody feel good about themselves. It was just, oh boy, what am I doing? <laughs> it's yeah, it's not serving you. It's not serving them. Mm, yeah. So exactly. you, you were brand new to entrepreneurship then. So you literally just, you saw a need in the market, you said? for mm -hmm. where the gaps were and you decided how you could fill them and you literally took the jump. Yep. Were there main focus areas that you were like this and this to make the leap? At that time, to, to be honest, not really. <laughs> I love that. You're just <laughs> jumping. <laughs> yeah. It was one of my first retainer clients it had been a prior client at the previous agency and they were very excited for me to be available again and offer themselves up. They're like, are you taking clients? Can we be one please? <laughs> and so I was really focused on getting off the ground, figuring out if this was going to work. I had this brand new baby, this brand new business. Who am I? Who am I as a business owner? Can I still do this? Yeah. Uh, there's, there was definitely a lot of imposter syndrome, especially that first year. I think between postpartum hormones and exhaustion and starting a new company, I was, I'm, I'm very excited that I'm still here today. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely survival at first and just take, saying yes to everything because I didn't know what I didn't want to do quite yet as far as service delivery. Now it's definitely much more refined, much more focusing on the team and the processes and excellent service delivery. At that time, it was like, I think I know how to do that. I would be happy to do it for you. Here's a cut rate deal. <laughs> right. We'll figure it out if we yep. don't know right now. How did you get those first people in the door though? Because you said yeah. like people signed up right away. How did that happen? So again, like that month before everything went down and I had that little sense in my belly that I don't know what's going to happen here. I reached out to my former a uh, boss from the PR firm and she was winding down her company at the time, but she'd been around for all, all, a number of years and had a great reputation. So she was continuing to get a lot of leads, even though she wasn't necessarily taking them. So I said, Hey, if you ever want to work on a project together that you don't necessarily want to do on your own, or if there's something that comes through that you're not interested in doing, send it to me and I'll pay you a referral fee. And just, and she's like, oh yeah, I have these three like, right now that I don't want to do. They're all yours. And having someone I trusted who wasn't going to blow up my spot, like I didn't want something to happen before things were going to happen. In confidence, she was able to spread some things around so that people knew I was available. And then once I was available, I just was letting some people know, Hey, this is something that's happened in my life. Here's where I am right now. If you need anything, let me know. And it was, yes, <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you make it look so easy. I know it wasn't. And then in terms of your, so you did say, Yes, you were in marketing, you were in PR, you knew what you wanted to do, you knew what didn't feel right. 
in your jump into your new business, could you identify any skills that you did learn in the corporate world that you're like, oh, I have got this a little bit more than I think I do. The imposter syndrome speaking to me, but I think I could shut it up for a little bit. So from my, so from the role that laid me off, I would say a lot of my lessons were what I didn't want to take carry forward. How I, there were, they did some things okay, but I, in my mind was thinking if I ever have a team, it will look differently and I will treat them differently. However, my role before that at the PR firm that I started with, I would say I took a lot from that experience. That was, I didn't get a master's degree, but it felt like a 10 year long master's program mm-hmm. crash course in, in business and PR and marketing. And so when I first started, I leaned heavily along on that experience to think about service offerings and strategy and methodology and what I really wanted to bring to market for sure. I think for instance, now, if you come to us, we always start with some sort of strategy before we just leap into service delivery. And that's definitely something that I picked up in my first experience. We never just, it's always, we never shoot in the name. It was it's always, okay, where are we going? Where are we driving to versus, oh, okay, let's just go. In. Yeah. <laughs> um, throw spaghetti so, at the wall. Yeah. So I, I certainly took a lot of that forward. And then in, in the ensuing five years have very much made it my own and pulled together different other methodologies as well to craft something that's uniquely ours. Congrats on five years too. (laughs) It's like truly amazing. And that you're navigating past 2020. Yeah. yeah. I can't only imagine how different you had to think and pivot in that time as a business owner. It can't have been easy, but how do you think that the company is like weathering these economic downturns now? If you don't mind talking about it. No, not at all. I'm an open book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The pandemic was certainly an interesting experience as it was for everyone. Your experience, gosh, that, that sounds certainly scary. I think everyone was very afraid. There were days where my phone's ringing off the hook. I have these adults openly weeping, worrying about their business and their customers and their employees and what do we do? And it's pivot all the while trying to teach my then five-year-old pre-K on on Zoom for some reason. And then I had our son at the time was two and my husband is a banker. So he was processing P loans 24 seven, literally for a while. Whoa. Yeah. That's (laughs) way in the weeds. Mm. It was people, I would have loved to learn how to bake bread at that time. <laughs> that was not, it was not my experience, but that's okay. It was, it was interesting. I would say 2020 was all about survival. 2021 was processing what the, the world just happened to us. And then 2022 was, okay, that was a thing that happened. What do we want to have happen now? <laughs> and really letting go of some of that For me, I think a lot of business owners are type A control freak people from the ones I, from the ones I met. Kind of have to Um, be in a way, maybe. And we actually don't control very much at all. And when you try to control too much in times like that, it really backfires. At some point, you just got to release the grip a little bit and just see where it takes you. Try to put up boundaries, try to make great decisions, but all the while, all you can do is your best. You you cannot white knuckle your way through that. 
Do you think that you would have still started your company if you weren't laid off? Like, where do you think you would have been now? Yeah, I hope so. Mm-hmm. It was knowing that it was in my heart and that, and I really, I truly love what I do. I've sat down with one of my team members today. We had some one-on-one time this afternoon, just to, just working together because we're remote. And she was asking me some similar questions. And there have been times in the past few years where I've had a moment of, oh, is this something I want to be doing anymore? Where I've had, for instance, like a colleague close, close a business and thinking, okay, do I still want to run a business? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's always a resounding, oh my God, yes. I don't want to do anything else. This is absolutely what I want to do. I love our clients. I love our team. I love the work that we get to do. Not everyone gets to use their special skills and talents that they were born with and that are innate to them. And it's not something that I take lightly. And I feel really, very lucky to get to do what I do. It's a really beautiful way to put it. What would you say are your special skills and talents? (laughs) I am an incurable problem solver. (laughs) (laughs) Like it has to be cured. It has to be, it has to be solved. (laughs) Yes. To the point where it's, am I just listening or would you like me to offer solutions (laughs) when I'm visiting with friends or family members or something? Hey, me, it's clear that they were asking me to solve the problem, but not all of your friends are looking for you to solve the problem. Sometimes they just want you to be there. I'm able to really help people clarify what it is they're trying to communicate, whether it's about their brand or their business or just the, the vision that they're trying to cast, being able to take all those thoughts and lay them out neatly and reorganize them and use language that's crystal clear, that really communicates what they're trying to say. That's definitely a special skill and talent. And then mm-hmm. being a strategist and work, walking alongside someone that I think I know what I want to have happen, but I have no idea how to get there yeah. and working with them to work backward from that and really create a plan that will get them there. So those are some of the things that we really excel at now and that our clients are very happy about. <laughs> You're making me want to start a business and hire you, Lauren. <laughs> like I have ideas for things and then I don't know what to do with them. But that is, that's your bread and butter, right? Like people come to you with that. Is that right? Where they're like, I have this idea for this thing and I just don't know how to organize anything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I hate that I use this phrase all the time and I don't know who to give it credit to, but I love to tell people all the time it, you, it's so hard to read the label from inside the bottle. And so it's really helpful to work with someone who can help you get all that out of your head and onto the page and cast that vision forward. Okay. I, this thing is unique to me, but I don't necessarily how to talk, know how to talk about it. And that's where we come in. We know how to help you talk about it. <laughs> Do you specialize in a type of business? Not particularly. I am an, an insatiably curious. So working for one brand for five years was actually pretty soul killing as well. I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I need not <laughs> I enough need a difference. in my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, we, I like to call myself a honeybee cross pollinating ideas across the industries. That mm-hmm. way there's never really conflict of interest because it's what we do is ultimately a very intimate process where someone has to be very vulnerable about their goals and their dreams and their fears. And so it would be uncomfortable for me to have like multiple accountants, for instance. I like having all sorts of industries. I will say, especially in the PR space, we work primarily with industries in our 
geographic region, just because we mm. have such rich relationships with the media in our area, as well as when it comes to PR, just knowing that we're only like one degree removed from someone that they're trying to connect with or influence or, or get to know or something like that. Marketing, we can expand beyond the geographic area. And we've done PR projects for non-Fort Worth businesses, of course, but that is a specialty where we are really like honed in in our market and trying to strengthen mm-hmm. our local economy and community. I love that because it's, it is catering to also small businesses in your area mm-hmm. too. That's serving probably a huge need in your community and even a need for yourself. Yeah. So many people want to be able to service small businesses, but they just don't have the platform to do that. So I think that's really special. Thank you. I love my small business owners and leaders, and it's really special to get to work with them. And marketing is hard. And even if you're great at it, that's not maybe not necessarily the thing that you need to do to on your own to take your business to the next level. There's just so many hats to wear. Okay. What do you need to do so that you actually have more time in your life for the things that you actually need to spend your time doing? (laughs) So letting us come in and work alongside you is often a very easy lift and and propels you to that next level. Yeah. I had a tiny offshoot into marketing in my career and I was a link builder. (laughs) I did not, (laughs) didn't love it did not go further. So I moved into product marketing for a little bit and then fully in products because I was just not vibing with the marketing. But I will tell you those folks, I have good friends that are killer marketers and I just don't have the chops for it. It takes a certain person. (laughs) If we were all good at everything, then we would need no one. (laughs) That's a really good point. I'm pretty good at products. So I found my niche, but tip my hat to those marketers, especially those link builders. What a job. It was boring. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably not where I would excel either. Yeah, I (laughs) know. But it taught me a lot. I'll tell you that. I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) So we have your journey, which is awesome, into your entrepreneurship after being laid off. So for, oh man, we're like perfectly on time too. So for the next like, 20-ish minutes, try not to take too much of your time. I'd love to get into advice that you have for other people in terms of what they might be going through, especially now. So onset of the pandemic 2020, the unemployment in the U.S. rose by 1.5 million unemployed persons, which is astronomical. I was a part of that. It seems like everybody was getting laid off. It was very difficult getting Government assistance for pay was backed up, I'm sure, all over the country. It was pretty much, for lack of a better term, a shit show. And (laughs) they've been coming in waves, though, these layoffs from industry Mm -hmm. to industry. And the tech industry, which I'm currently in now, is being Mm -hmm. hit hard within the last year. You have your huge tech conglomerates that are laying off in droves and then even the smaller companies. So people are struggling to find work and they're struggling to even find themselves again. It's being on LinkedIn right now is for me, it's like a mix of, I finally got a job or I've been looking for a job for over 12 months and I have a family or my visa is running up and it's so sad. Yeah, They are in dire situations. What words of advice do you have going through these tough phases because you were eight months pregnant. You did have an idea in your head, but it wasn't fully thought out yet. It must've been scary. It was scary. And 
I do want to give my husband some props. Mm -hmm. I, again, I thought before this happened, I remember going up to him with anxiety saying, I think something's about to go down. If something happens to my job, are we okay? Like how much runway do we have? And what am I going to (laughs) do? And he was like, we're going to be fine. Here's about how many months we really have before we've got to definitely figure something out. He was absolutely my biggest cheerleader in starting my own thing. He had ultimate confidence in me. He's been from day one was like, you're not charging enough. (laughs) You're worth more, charge more. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so I digress only to say that I owe a lot to his support and that I think being able to have a partner who is there for you both for that financial continuity, as well as just that emotional support and cheerleading was really, I don't know how I would have done it. Worth its weight in gold. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That said, also having that coach. Now that was a financial investment. If I had known I was getting laid off that day, I'm not sure I would have signed that contract to be perfectly honest, because it was a lot of money. I thought, oh my God. But the the check had been mailed. <laughs> and I thought, you're like, please get lost in the mail. I guess please we better do this. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Today, fast forward to 2023, I have a fabulous therapist who would have probably served a lot of that same function for me. So it was like business therapy in a lot of ways. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think having someone or some people to talk to and really help you reflect on, okay, what am I great at? What do I want to do? Was I happy in this other job? When I, was let go of the other, from the other company, all of a sudden all my friends were talking about, oh yeah, you seemed really unhappy there, or you seemed really depressed, or you really weren't yourself anymore. You really lost a lot of your like fun sparkle and kind of the joie de vivre. I was like, why didn't y'all tell me that before? (laughs) Thanks for letting me know now. But anyway, I think being able to process a lot of that was helpful, taking some time to reflect on what I wanted to do going forward. And I think letting yourself feel some of those feelings is okay. I was very ashamed of being laid off. I really did not start talking publicly about it until a few years ago when I finally felt like this happens to everybody. It's, it is not my fault. Especially now. Yeah. (laughs) And even though it felt personal, it is what it is. And I'm glad that it happened. Another thing that I did two years after I was laid off, but I think I only waited that long because of just personal stuff, like babies and all that. I felt like when I finally came out of the fog of having a baby, having a toddler and starting a business, kind of raised my head up thinking, I need to learn something. I need to be in a formal educational setting and brush up a skill. And so I went through a a marketing certification program at that time. And that really boosted my confidence about a million fold. And so Mm. if financially you're able to do that, something along those lines, or even just being an autodidact and reading books or listening to podcasts or watching YouTube videos or something like that, or joining a, some sort of community that will help lift you up and not just commiserate, but really provide resources or fill in some sort of gaps that made a huge difference for me in both service delivery and competence and what I was charging and how I was doing things. So I think as a lifelong learner, that's a little easier for someone like me to do. But if you're listening to this and you think I can't afford to do a certification training, I think I would challenge you to find some other sort of resource and community that will help you build a skill set that makes you that much more marketable. And as a marketing person, <laughs> I would say that as you're 
going on interviews and as you're looking for a new role, be thinking about how you can provide a return on the investment of you. So if you want to go work for someone else, showing here's the salary I would like to make and here's how that's going to in turn make your business more money. For entrepreneurs, that's very compelling. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you like book recommendations, Rachel Rogers, uh, we should, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on it. We should all be millionaires. Shoot, I got to look. Hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's a good title if that's it. Yeah, it's something like that. Shoot, I'm I'm obsessed with it. She is incredible. Yeah, we should all be millionaires. I was right. But she gives some specific language as far as like how to, how to negotiate and things like that. But it's less about the negotiation and more about marketing yourself and creating a compelling package for the story of you and why you and what you're going to deliver once you're on board, whether it's you're someone in like my field, if it's product or service or whatever it is, here's how I'm going to provide value. So I'm going to pay for myself basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can use that. You can use that going forward into another company. You can even use that if you do want to go forward and make your own company. For sure. Because if you want to pitch angel investors, Like you have to get people to believe in you no matter which way you slice it. So that's such good advice to obviously take the time to grieve. Yeah. I think I took once the unemployment (laughs) settled, I, cause it was scary until then I took maybe like a month to hang out with my dog and cry a lot and feel sorry for myself. But then you pick up the pieces and you start to get yourself out there. And that's just such good advice to be like, then put your portfolio of you together and make you as enticing as you possibly can. If not, it just makes you feel better about yourself too. Put all your accomplishments down on paper. It's even better than the resume, which everybody hates. (laughs) Yes. As side note, one of my team members was building out some information about our company and I'm the worst at looking backward. I'm very much what's happening right now and what's happening in the future. I, I not the best at reflecting unless my therapist makes me. (laughs) And so she was pulling all this information about things that we had done last year as a business. And I just started crying. I thought, oh my gosh, A, thank you for seeing all that. But B, yeah, we did do all that. Dang, we're great. (laughs) And if you've got to have some sort of brag book about yourself, whether it's nice things people have said about your work or a portfolio of of the work product that you've done, being able to look at that and be like, yeah, I am pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And then you get other people to say that to you. That be, that can't be like, there's nothing better than hearing somebody say, go you, like you yeah. freaking rock. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. And it was a lot of it was like internal stuff too. That was like you know, about policies and things that we had done or initiatives that we had started for the company. And I'm like, I'm so glad you saw that. And you felt honored by it and that you got the benefit that I was hoping for. You're still here, obviously, but mm-hmm. beyond that, the goal is to have this team that feels safe and that they are want to do the work that we're doing every day and that they love the clients and all that. So I, I want it to be a place where people feel like they thrive and that they're not dreading coming to you every day. And so that was, that felt nice. <laughs> Beautiful. How big is your team at Quit Our Income? Yeah. So I have two full-time staff members and then a team of two dedicated contractors and then some floating contractors beyond that. That sounds like a great business model. Yeah. 
That's it really is. great. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it was. Still going. You're like, I'm changing it tomorrow. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you do help entrepreneurs. Like they are coming to you with their business ideas. They're coming to you to finesse business ideas, to grow them. Yeah. What are some specific areas of business where you've helped people navigate? Yeah, definitely that that clarity of messaging before I mentioned before, a lot of times when folks come to us, there's something missing They're Maybe they're slammed with leads, but they're not the uh, type of clientele that's going to pay the prices that they want to pay. There's something's happening in the funnel or whenever they explain what they're doing, they get lots of blank looks or every time they explain what they're doing, they use a different story hook or something like that and sitting them down and really giving them the tools that they need to be successful when they talk about their business, either in one-to-one conversations, one-to-many in their marketing, things like that. Again, building out a strategy. So whether it's for three months or 12 months or three years or whatever, just looking ahead and helping them cast that vision and then giving them specific strategies and tactics to achieve it. So all the communications atmosphere environment and then just really providing great content then. So whether it's PR content, sales and marketing content, nurture emails or sales funnels or websites or social media and having everything go back to that central messaging and that strategy. So everything works together really seamlessly. You know, if someone's not seen an ad and then they're coming to the website and it's mismatched, everything is nice and clean and crisp and people know what they're getting. And importantly, it's not just selling, we're not selling a message and then they come to the company and they're getting a totally different experience. We're making sure that it's authentic to who the business is. We see a client that we've had for a long time. We sat down at the initial consultation and they're telling us all about their retail business. And then we pull up their website and we're like, these are not the same. (laughs) (laughs) Everything that you just told me is amazing. This is not what's on the page. You are like, oh my God. You, please hire us right now so we can fix this for you. No wonder you need us. Oh That's my gosh. wild. Cause to me, that seems like obvious, but yeah. maybe not. Well, it's kind of, here's an analogy for you. It's like when you hear a song in your head and if you're not a gifted musician, when you go to sing it or play it and it comes out like clunky like you might have it here but you can't get it out oh. I think that's what someone like me does where we're like okay here are the notes of the music you're trying to sing and we arrange it and when we play it they're like oh yeah that's what's been in my head this whole time yes <laughs> yeah, and it's light bulb yeah that's amazing I guess that is why they come to you right because they probably see a bit of a disconnect and they're like where am I missing yeah. here And it's also, if you think about, I'm clean, but messy. That's one of my foibles and I'm the worst things stack up a little bit. I don't necessarily see it as much, but then as soon as companies coming over, I'm like, Oh, (laughs) I see it now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of that too. They just sort of get, there's this uh, entropy that happens. It's like this things exist and they're just going along to get along. And then all of a sudden, like maybe a huge opportunity is coming up, like, oh, we're being nominated for this huge award. What's mm-hmm. going to happen after that? How do we optimize this opportunity? And they're like, oh man, our house is not in order. <laughs> How do we get here? <laughs> so we we come in and then clean them up. <laughs> yep. Yep. Hire the cleaners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're the metaphorical. <laughs> yes. You're the cleaner. You're the music teacher. You are. All of these things. Yes. I love that. So that's, that is like a really good segue into my next thought of the habits that you need to have as an entrepreneur. I do see some need to have, you did mention type A's, which is probably a help, but maybe not a need to have in Mm -hmm. terms of 
the successful habits that you're seeing. You have successful habits that are consistent to success in that way. Like it's probably good to have the three most important habits. Yeah. Habits slash mindsets. A couple come to mind. One, I think having an abundance mindset is hugely Mm -hmm. helpful. Carol Dweck's book mindset. There's people who have like a scarcity mindset. It's like anything that's going to like you, you hold too tightly to things, like maybe you hold too tightly to a client that's just super toxic because you're worried about making payroll or whatever, rather than letting them go out into the free economy (laughs) and making space for someone who can come in and be a great fit for you. And then just, I think abundance mindset and optimism, I think is very helpful because it's like having children, would we continue to go through the childbirth process if we like really kept it in our minds, front of mind all the time? It's like, no, we yeah. gotta, we just gotta hope for the best here. We gotta keep moving forward. We gotta keep swimming. It's gonna work out. There's a lot of building the building the plane as we fly it. And you have to be comfortable with that and know that I have the people in place that I need. I have my entrepreneurial spirit and it's gonna be what's gonna be, but I think it's gonna be okay. And to be able to pass that optimism and and abundance mindset to your team too. So they're not thinking, oh shoot, do I need to pack my parachute to get out of here? We actually went through a big business transition this spring and the team was thinking, okay, do I stick around? Do I not stick around? But they're like, Lauren seems really confident. I think it's going to be okay. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I would not tell you it was going to be fine. It was not going to be fine. Like then they said they felt like they could trust me. So I think that mindset is helpful. A lot of the entrepreneurs that I work with who I believe are truly successful are lifelong learners. They are not afraid to say, I don't know the answer to that, or let me figure that out, or let me bring someone in who doesn't know, who can help us answer that. People who are more focused on being right versus listening and learning, I don't think do very well. They get Mm. pretty stuck too. And then if you can learn how to delegate so that you are staying in your zone of genius for the most of the time, that's huge too. So you're not holding on to stuff that brings you down. You're not holding on to stuff that's distracting to you. It might be fun for you to do your marketing or to work on your website or do social media copy, but is that really what brings in the big bucks for you as a business? Probably not. (laughs) Or do you need to be scheduling all your meetings? Do you need to be doing your finances? Can you have someone help you with that? I think whether it's someone on your team or it's a contractor, being able to artfully delegate so that you can stay focused on those things that are really going to move your business forward are key. I see a lot of people tripping up there when it's not this, oh boy, (laughs) stop messing around and let those go. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many thoughts around that, but one that's like really sticking out for me is curious about those folks that are, so say that they really want to start their own business and they're on the precipice of jumping. But they are maybe digging through what you just said and seeing if they have the chops. And if not, they can figure out where to work on to start to run their own business and man their own ship, for lack of a better term. What would you say might be the most important thing to focus on first if they're drowning in, oh man, I really want to take this leap, but I have so much to work on and I just don't know where to go first. I'm sure my team is sick of me saying this, but I love as a personal mantra, perfect is the enemy of good. 
I think mm. a lot of type A people are recovering perfectionists, raising her hand right here, me. And we can really get hung up on it. I can't launch until it's perfect. I don't want anyone to see this until it's perfect. I don't want to tell anybody or have any clients until it's perfect. I think at some point you have to go to market with something and then be prepared to iterate. Okay. Just have something out there and then know that you're going to change it a whole bunch of times. I will say, maybe this is not what you want to hear, but I actually don't love working with first-time business owners because things change so much, so quickly. And so it's hard actually for me to be successful. I think you're better DIYing it by yourself for a little bit because you're going to want to, you're going to have in your mind, okay, this is the problem I want to solve. And then you're going to go out there and be like, nobody has this problem (laughs) or the people who have this problem aren't really the people I want to serve. There's something out there that what you do day one is not what you're going to do day 97. It's not what you're going to do day 400. It's going to, things are going to shift and evolve and being ready for that evolution is important. I think by year two or three, like you've got a pretty good handle on, on who you are. And that's why a lot of our clients have been in business for around three years, or if it's a startup, it's like their third startup. They've really been through the paces before. I think that, and then also if you can start with a defined problem that you're going to solve, whether it's a product or a service, being focused on what you're going to do for somebody is a lot more important than putting out there who you are, because Mm. we are selfish as human beings. We want to know what you're going to do for me. So I see a lot of people making that mistake of we've been doing, I've, I've, I've been a copywriter for 17 years. So I'm going to write your copies. I don't care how long you've been doing it. I want to know how well you're going to do it and how mm-hmm. many things you're going to sell. Help me sell. Just, it's just, a, it's a small shift, but once people really start to figure that out, they are a lot more successful. I really love what you said about, you think you have a great idea and then you try to put it to market and actually nobody needs this, but you thought <laughs> that you saw the need. Yeah. There, there are ways to really figure out if it is a need, right? Can you do market research just randomly on the side? Yeah, there are ways it, gosh, you could take advantage of like Facebook groups, say mm. you want to sell something to new moms or something like that. And, and you know, I think it probably helps if you are one as well or in that demographic, yeah. but you can join Facebook groups around that market. Like I, I'm a I'm a very novice gardener. <laughs> so oh. I'm in like a couple like gardening Facebook groups. And you can look at the questions that people are asking. If someone's asking, if people are asking the same question over and over again, and you know how to solve that, then there you go. So that's a, that's one way to just do some market research and then looking up what people are asking on Google. You can look, there's plenty of forums out there, depending on what the niche is that you want to be in, just seeing what people are, the questions that people are asking and compiling, are there consistencies and commonalities that create a trend that you can then use as you formulate your idea. Yeah, that's brilliant. Facebook, Reddit, tons of people are speaking and communicating on Reddit and Mm -hmm. talking about very specific topics, which Mm -hmm. is like Facebook groups. Ah, And uh, like you could look at Google AdWords and see what the search volume is for certain keywords, things like that. That's a free service, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. You have to pay for the ads, but yeah, you can just go in and look to see like we're we have a Google AdWords campaign running right now. And so we were looking at different keywords and search volume and all that. And then we can look at the back end of our own site to see how people are getting there. Oh, okay. (laughs) What question did you ask? (laughs) Yeah. 
Interesting. All right. <laughs> I just, <laughs> yeah, I remember my days in SEO. That was very fun. Like looking up literally what people type into Google search and yeah. you're like, humanity is doomed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Exactly. With the things that we're Googling. We survived a pandemic for kind of the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately. Maybe fortunately, not. I'm, so I'm, I'm very blessed to be here. <laughs> yeah. Same, same. We have talked on how navigating the pandemic as a whole shaped your mm-hmm. business just a little bit. Do you think you would have done anything differently? It's a great question. You know, just in case we have another pandemic coming up. I don't, know. I don't up. know if I would have done something differently. I think, I think we did the best we could with what we had. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the companies that followed our advice that year are still around. And good. And not everybody is, <laughs> right. but the ones who worked with us and listened to us. I remember just I was watching what other companies were doing on social media. Gosh, I was on Instagram a lot, just like doom scrolling, but seeing how people were adapting. I think they're as horrible as it is and how much loss and terrible things happen. I'm a remain inspired by humanity and that all the pivots that happened and how outside we, of the Google know, searches were inspired. Yes, by exactly. <laughs> like all the way we just are, gosh, I'm so glad there's so much curbside pickup now. <laughs> Let's keep that here to stay, please. Especially as a mom, <laughs> yeah, that's rad. Go just bring it out to me or keep, keep delivering alcohol. Thank you very much. But, but yeah, no, I think there, we just did our best and we figured it out and we worked together. And I think in a lot of ways, the pandemic helped me figure out what my priorities really were. I was very mm-hmm. much invested in my business as my identity and that helped me really think through, okay, I've got these young children at home. I want to work. I get to work. I love to work. They asked me a lot. They used to ask me all the time, why do you have to go to work today? Why can't we play? Why do we, why do I go to school? Why do you have to work? And I would always tell them, mommy gets to work. Mommy gets to do something she's great at. This is mommy's very lucky. And so they don't ask me that anymore. <laughs> They're tired of me. They're like, you're boring. <laughs> they want to know when they can come work for me. Yeah. Uh, cute. But it really helped me it helped remind me how fragile life is and how important relationships are to me and how much I want to be focused on the relationships, both in my business and outside of my business. And it made me really hungry for community too. Again, I was, it was like, almost like my ego was on the rise and it really helped level set me again and figure out who I was a little better and who I wanted to be and who I wanted to serve. And so for that, I'm thankful. And you did have the moment, obviously in 2017, where you had the reckoning with yourself and you're like, okay, I could continue with that status quo, or I could go off on my own and not Mm -hmm. only fulfill my desire to work, but fulfill a need within me. And I think this is a really great opportunity for those other people that are going through their own reckonings right now. And they have this moment to sit and to have like a pivot point given to them if they want to take it. Yeah. And they could choose entrepreneurship. They could choose going back to the corporate world. There's no wrong answer. But if you're really drawn and you see a need and you really find yourself saying, what if I could, I hope that people are encouraged to say, I'm going to try. Yeah. And I think it's helpful if you have this time and space to be doing this navel gazing 
really understanding what your personal values are. That mm-hmm. was an exercise that my coach did with me and we sat down and I had to pick, I think five or seven words off of a long list. And that really helped set me up for success for those first few years, as far as like fun was one where it's like, if I want to have fun every day. I don't want to just be living in this like miserable drudgery zone. I want to have a lot of joy. I want to have joy in the relationships and in the work I'm doing and taking a moment to like, what is really important to me? How do I want to live my life? How am I going to spend this one precious life on this planet? Mm -hmm. And, and I think that will really help crystallize what's next for you. If whether it's choosing going into a role where you're working for someone else or you're working on your own. And if it's too scary to just say, <laughs> F it, I'm not, I can't do it on my own. You can have a side hustle. I think like the gig economy is here to stay for sure. Don't let your need to pay the bills stop you from following your joy. If you want to craft cute little things and sell them on Etsy or on Facebook marketplace or whatever, do that. Don't make it feel like you have to do that all the time. And also it's okay to have hobbies too. I had a a joke with a colleague of mine the other day where we were like both doing some little crafts at home. And I had this moment of, should I sell these? And it's, oh my God, have a hobby girl. (laughs) You don't have to monetize everything. (laughs) I really identify with that. That is absolutely, I do the same thing with just about anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's it. It's like a slippery slope, but yeah, you deserve to have things that only bring you joy and not yeah. that you have to try to make money off of this. Yeah. You can go for it, you, but also yeah. pain and pain is fine. <laughs> yeah. It can fulfill your own well being. It doesn't have to fulfill like a monetary being. That's really important to tell yeah. people. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Lauren, where can people find? you if they want to learn more about your business or even just like you as a person. Yep. So you can, we are across the interwebs at at Quedarco. So that's K-W-E-D as in David, A-R-C-O. So that's our, that's all of our social handles and that's our website as well. And if you want to find me personally, it's Lauren Quedarcoffro on LinkedIn. Love it. Thank you again so much for your wisdom and just, just laying it all out there for (laughs) all of the people that might be going through some really hard times or thinking about entrepreneurship or what have you, but I appreciate your candid responses and also your energy is infectious. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Courtney. I've had a lot of fun talking to you and I hope if one person out there feels a little better today, then I'm excited we had this conversation. I think that they will. I know I did at least. Thank you for listening to the You're Not Qualified podcast. I appreciate you being here so much. So I exist in this space to encourage you to do everything you are afraid to do. I really hope that these stories presented in this podcast inspire you to go after all of the things that you do not think that you have the necessary, quote unquote, qualifications for. You are much more qualified than you think. Email me. I would love to hear from you and how these stories on this podcast resonate with you. Send me your experience with imposter syndrome. I love to hear all about how 
it works in your life, how you've overcome it, how you've learned to work with it to excel in the areas that you're really passionate about. I can be reached at ynqpod at gmail.com or send me a DM. I'm on Instagram. I am on TikTok. I'm on threads in YouTube, all under the handle at ynqpod. That's at yn as in Nancy Q pod. DM me, email me, thread me. I don't know if we've come up with a verb for that yet. YouTube me. Just get in touch and I'd love to hear from you. I am most active on Instagram. If you are looking for inspirational reels, it's one of my favorite things to do. So check me out on Instagram. There's a new episode out currently every first Thursday of the month. And I do bonus episodes too. So keep an eye out for those. Go do that thing.